the title of my message is God's Great Relay Race. God's Great Relay Race. And some of the things in this message you've heard before, and I've kind of pulled them all together because these are the things I'm really passionate about. And it's seeing things from God's perspective. And so if you can, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to start there at Hebrews chapter 11. And this is all, this, this whole book, the writer of Hebrews, is provoking us, the saints, at this time in history to run the race that he's marked out for us. And he starts this in Hebrews chapter 1. Um, in fact, I'm going to read from uh, Hebrews 10 verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. What will be rewarded? You know, God is attracted to confidence. God will reward confidence. He wants his people to be confident. And here, then he goes on. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by a word of God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he was commended, he was, con sorry, condemned by the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward, everyone say looking forward, to a city with foundations whose builder and architect was God. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed Joseph's sons, and he worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with, God, along with God, the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Verse 29, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people marched around them seven times. Verse 31, by faith, the prostitute Abraham, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. For I don't have time to tell you about the others, Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the, the, the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back dead from the dead and raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they may gain a better resurrection." Some were jeered and flogged, while still others were chained and put in prison. Some were stoned, and some were even sawn in two. 
They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the desert and in the mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. For God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect therefore. Whenever you see the words therefore, it's asking you what's it therefore. And the writer of Hebrews says therefore, in light of all of this, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, since we are surrounded by these great heroes of the faith that we've just read about, he says this, I want you to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and I want you to run the race with perseverance, the race that has been marked out for you. I want you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, for the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, I want you to consider him who who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. What a powerful part, part of scripture. The writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, listen, church, in 2018, I want you, in light of this great hall of fame, in light of these great heroes of the faith, in light of what they did as they ran their lap of the race in God's great relay race, in light of that, they were sawn in two. Those, they were persecuted and they haven't yet received their reward. Why? Because they're waiting for us to finish our part of the race. And in light of that, therefore, I want to provoke you, the writer of Hebrews says to the church, to run your race with perseverance, the race that has been marked out for you. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That that joy was us. The joy was the church. Therefore, get rid of everything that hinders and start running. And that's what I want to talk about today. I've got an acronym just to be different, and it spells the word relay. And relay is spelt R-E-L-A-Y. Are you ready? I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a relay race because we are in God's great relay race. And as we finish out this year and start looking to the new year, and I'm going to cast the vision for, for 2019 and 20 as we go into this new year. But, but church, we're in a relay race. It's not just about us. This little church here in St. Charles reaching the Fox Valley and the cities around here. We are here to change the world. And our vision is to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart, fulfill their dreams, and change the world. And that's why we shouldn't think it's strange that God is opening doors for us all around the world. You know, 360 and training leadership, we're doing that in other countries now. It's really exciting. And as we're going to see in this message, things are beginning to speed up. All right, number one, number one, everyone say number one, is the letter R. Thank you, come on. The letter R, and the the letter R is for run. Everybody say run. Run. The writer of Hebrews says, I want you to run, not walk. I want you to run the race with perseverance. God has called us to be a people that run. Yes, yes, he has. Run. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 5. It says this, if you have raced 
with men on foot, and they have worn you out. How will you compete with the horses? Ugh! Here, remember this. What's my job today? To spur you on. This might get a little uncomfortable. Are you okay with that? All right. So here, the writer of Hebrews is saying, or or rather, we're reading from Jeremiah here, and and this is God responding to Jeremiah the prophet who is whinging and complaining. I, I, I love when I read people whinging and complaining to God and how God responds. I love it with Job. God, God, it says, out of the storm, God spoke to Job, and he says, Job, where were you when the mountain goats gave birth? Where were you when I put the stars in the sky? Were you there? Were you? Like, really sarcastic. Like, really? Job? Really? Were you there? Were you there when I measured the oceans? Were you? Now he says, brace yourself like a man, because this is going to hurt. And he says, now I will address you. We don't normally see God like that. Today, I want to provoke you, because here, Jeremiah is, is, is whinging at God, and God says this, if the, you have raced with men on foot, and they have worn you out, how will you compete with the horses? If you're in battle, you have the footmen that come first. The, the footmen are there in their ranks, and the, it's footmen against footmen. And what God is saying is, Jeremiah, you're in a race here. You're in a battle here. You're in a race that you were born into that was already in motion. You were born into a battle. You were born into a war. And if those on foot have worn you out, you're going to be dead when the, foot, when the horsemen come. Have you ever seen a horse that's ready for battle? You know, in, today we see that we see police on horseback. You know, a policeman on horseback can, can handle a crowd of 100, 200 people because people are scared of horses. Because they are so powerful. You don't want to get kicked by a horse. So a policeman on a horse in the middle of Chicago, in the middle of New York City, can control a crowd because the horse is so big. So God is saying, Jeremiah, if those on foot have worn you out, how are you going to deal with the horsemen? Because they're coming next. You want to know the answer? The answer is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. You can turn there if you like. And it's this simple scripture. And I've talked to you about this before, but I want to remind you again. And it's the word for meekness. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, blessed are the meek, everyone say meek, for they will inherit the earth. That word meekness is not just talking about gentleness. The actual translation is this, and I'll read this. And it says this, Jesus creates a strange image by saying, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The apostle Paul speaks of meekness and gentleness of Christ. A casual reading of these verses today gives you a mental picture of meekness that is far from the forceful image common in Bible times. Our dictionary defines meekness as easily imposed upon, submissive and spineless. But wait a minute. Once you realize that this word is a translation of a Greek military term, you get a completely different picture. The Greek word preos was used to define a horse trained for battle. Wild stallions were brought down from the mountains and broken in for riding. Some were used to pull wagons, some were raced, but the best were trained for warfare. They retained a fierce spirit of courage and power, but were disciplined to respond to the slightest nudge and pressure of the rider's leg. They could gallop into battle at 35 miles per hour and come to a sliding stop at just one word. They were not frightened of arrows or spears or torches. They were said to be the meek. So, 
When Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, he's actually saying, blessed are the trained, those who've learned to be harnessed for strength and power, those who have learned discipline of the, of the slightest word of God's command, who are absolutely fearless. Blessed are the trained, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the horses. So, if the footmen have worn you out, God says to Jeremiah, how will you contend with the horses? Answer, we are horses. So if the footmen have worn you out, how will you contend with the horses? Answer, we are horses. If we are meeked, we've been trained. If we've been learned to listen to every prompting of the Holy Spirit, when the horses come, we are ready for you. Why? Because we've been trained by the king. We are the king's horses. And we're ready for battle. So the first, the first spur I want to give you today, church, as we start to wrap up this year, is that we need to run and not stop running. Run the race with perseverance. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says this. He says, in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to win. For he who competes goes into strict training. And church, I want to encourage you that training is really good. There's so many things stirring right now about training and, and young people and people from around the world and, and what we're going to do here in St. Charles. But we need to start training, get people meeked and ready to change the world. Amen. I think it's fantastic that we're training life group leaders. I think it's tra- fantastic that we're training hods. But I, I also want to train war horses to go to the ends of the earth. Okay. Uh, you know, when, when we were in England, Sam Hooker was, uh, came with us, and he was uh, staying in, in our flat. And some of you have stayed in our flat or been to our flat, but it's about this big. It's about the size of this stage. Uh, actually, it's probably not as big as the stage. And so when we go to England, we all huddle into this stage, and we stack the boys like three high on bunk beds. So that's just how it works. And, and uh the bedroom is down the hall. Their bedroom is down the hall. So it's not even a part of the same flat, uh, just because it's England and it's weird. So, so when Sam came to stay, Sam was staying in with them. Well, he, Sam had already been there for a week. So when the boys arrived, they thought it would be really fun to wake Sam up in the middle of the night and tell him he was running late. <laughs> so they woke Sam up and said, hey, Sam, look. They changed all the clocks. And they said, look, this is the time. You're, you're really running late. You know, my dad's waiting for you. And Sam was like, what? Oh. Anyway, Sam figured out what was happening, got really mad, and starts yelling at the boys. So the next, boy, the next day, the boys came in, before when Sam had already got up and gone to work. And um, he said, like, Dad, Sam got a really bad attitude in, in, in the night. I said, really? He said, yeah, he was really yelling at us. You should probably talk to him. I said, why was he yelling at you? And uh, they said, well, 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 he just was. I said, well, why? So they told me the whole story and how they'd woke him up in the middle of the night and did this trick on him. And I said, well, good for Sam. I said, maybe you should go and repent, Sam, for, you know, um, and maybe you should show him a little bit more respect because he's older than you and he's a youth pastor and Sam's awesome. But what I was really excited about is the fight in Sam. Because I've never seen that before. I just think Sam's so nice. He's so gentle. He's so kind. He's so passive. He's happy-go-lucky. Everybody just loves Sam. I've never seen Sam get mad. And I thought, this is great. I love the fact that Sam's getting mad because it's just so some in him. There's some fight in him. There's some meekness in him. There's some horsepower in him. 
And you know what, church? I want to provoke you today. Come on, some of us need to start fighting and stop being so passive. Stop passive about what's happening in your home. Right, right, Hebrews says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Don't waste your life in sin. Don't waste your life with silly things. Get rid of them. They so easily entangle. Isn't that encouraging to know? It's so easy to get tangled in sin. It doesn't make you a terrible person. Right, Hebrews is saying, hey, it easily happens. But don't do it. Throw it off. And one of the ways you can throw it off is by running. You know, never, nowhere, the Bible says, David, he ran at the enemy. He ran at Goliath. You read it. He says, then David ran at Goliath. And he says, how dare you defy the armies of the living God, you uncircumcised Philistine. Today, your head's coming off, and I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. He ran at him. You know, the Bible says we're to run at the enemy. We're to run away from sin. Remember Joseph, uh, Potiphar's wife. He ran, he ran from sin. So we're to run towards our enemy. We're to run away from sin. And the Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. So we're to run toward the Lord. But nowhere in the Bible does it say we should run away from our enemies. We should run towards our enemies. Do we have that uh, picture, Katie? Do you remember this? I've talked about this before. Do you remember the ox? Really quick, I'm going to recap, and then I'm going to go fast. Gosh, I'm going to have to go fast. I was watching the Discovery Channel. It was late at night. I was jet lagged, come back from somewhere, and in the middle of the night, and I was watching the documentary on wolves, and wolves were in this pack, and they were running after animals, and they caught hair, and they were still hungry, and they just needed something bigger, and they came across these big ox. Everybody say ox. In Ezekiel chapter 1, the Bible says that there are four faces of God, the face of man, the face of the lion, the face of the eagle, and the face of an ox. So there's something about ox that speak of the very nature of God. And here, these wolves came across an ox, and they said, and they... They didn't say, they weren't talking to each other on the Discovery Channel, but this is what they were saying in my head. They, they said, we're going to go and get the ox. <laughs> and so they're looking at these ox, and um, the, the commentator, David Atterbury, said, now watch, he watched this, and he said, um, the alpha fox, if he, he's going to charge these ox, oxen, and if he can make them run, they'll disperse, and if they disperse, they'll can pick off the weak ones and the young. And so the alpha, the first uh, wolf, you can see it in the picture here, there's actually a pack of wolves behind them set off. And they spooked the ox. The oxen started to run. And David Atterborough, the commentator of, of uh, National Geographic, said, and it works. They're off. And the oxen start to run. And all of a sudden, they were starting to run. And the, the wolves were starting to, 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 to divide the weaker ones. And suddenly something happened. And the ox came, well, the, sorry, the, yeah, the ox came to a standing halt, put his hooves in the ground and just turned around and faced the wolf. And the Holy Spirit said, sit up and I'm going to show you something. And I don't know what happened when these oxen were running, but something happened um, that caused them to stop. Maybe one of them said, hey, Joe, where are you going? And Joe said, I don't know, Bob. I'm just going to follow you. He said, well, 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 you know, Pat, why are you going? It's like, I don't know. You guys ran, so I ran. And somewhere in that conversation, one of them said, we're ox. That's wolf. Ox don't run from wolf. And they stopped and turned around, faced the wolf, and the wolf's head bowed. And he backed off. 
And so I wrote this, and you can write down, the, en- if the enemy can only get you if he can get you to run. We were never called to run away from the enemy. Nowhere in the Bible will you see run away from the enemy. We will say we run towards our enemy. So, number one, run. Number two, are you ready? Is acceleration. Acceleration. Number two. Oh, no, it's not. It's acceleration. No, it's expectation. <laughs> number two is expectation. I know how to spell relay and everything. I'm going to go very quick on these points. But here's this. I just want to say, church, um, the Bible says we win. The Bible says we win. And, and as I grew up, I, I started going to Bible schools and learning about um, God is omniscient. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere. And I started learning other words like eschatology, which is the study of end times. And we don't really talk about it here, or we believe this, or we don't believe this, because it's one of those things that's easy to divide the church over. And the Apostle Paul says, avoid endless arguments. And there's more scriptures about what we should avoid than often the actual arguments themselves. And so we're not going to divide over silly things, like can a Christian have a demon or not? Well, if it's either on top of the skin or it's underneath the skin, either cast it off or cast it out. I don't really care. We're not going to divide the church over silly things like that, right? The answer, by the way, is a Christian can have anything they want. Okay, anyway. Um, but, but, when, but when I think of eschatology, I just, I, I just want to say this. We win. We win. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of. If he, Isaiah chapter 2 says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord will be the chief mountain. He is coming back for a bride without spot or blemish. He's coming back for a house that's built. He's coming back for an army. Uh, we win. Nations will come to our light, Isaiah 60. Kings to the brightness of your dawn. Nations are going to come to the light of the church. This is good. So whatever your eschatology is, I want to encourage you that light always overcomes darkness. And yes, the darkness may get bad, but light always overcomes darkness. Authority always wins over power. Jesus says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. The enemy has power, but he doesn't have authority. Some of these are just old lessons. But I'm saying this because we have to live with a sense of expectation. The things are getting better. I first learned this at the first Bible school I went to, and the, the pastor's son, he told a story of his pastor's son who was just a little kid, and he wanted to play baseball, but every time the coach would say, this is that we're not scoring, we're not doing, uh, we're just playing for fun. And in the end, this, his son threw the bat down, he said, well, if we can't win, what's the point in playing? And stuff started to go into my soul at, at a young age of, yeah, the church is going to be victorious. Oh, what's this? Expectation. Everything's expectation. All creation is waiting with eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. I'm just going to leave it there. In this great relay race, number one, we need to run. Number two, we need to run with expectation. Number three, we need to look forward. Everyone say, look forward. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. We read this earlier. It says this. Abraham was looking forward to a city with foundations whose builder and architect is God. Abraham was looking forward to a city with foundations whose builder and architect is God. In a relay race, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm waiting for the baton, 
the baton, the baron. I get confused which one it is. But I myself have to be running at pace for the next person to run and hand it to me. But I've got to be looking forward, not backwards, to receive the baton. Church, we're receiving a baton from the last generation. And we have to give it to the next generation. But in doing so, we must keep looking forward. Do you remember what Lot's wife's name was? Last time I asked this, someone said salty. Yeah. You know, she went down in history without a name. Why? Because she looked back. Jesus says anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Why? Because he'll mess up everything that he put that he put his hand to. It's so important that we're working. It's so important that we're moving. It's so important that we're looking forward. When Elijah found Elisha, Elisha was driving 12 yoke of oxen. God works with people who are already working. Boom. What causes you to look back? What hinders you? All right. A is for acceleration. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're nearly there. Acceleration. Everyone say acceleration. acceleration. Turn with me to Amos if you can. Amos. I love this. Oh. oh. The days are coming, declares the Lord. Where the reaper will overtake the plowman and the planter by the one treading the grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from the hills. You want to hear, hear this, in this in another translation? Okay, here's what the message says. Ready? Yep. Indeed, it won't be long now, declares the Lord. For God decrees, things are going to happen so fast that your head will swim. One thing will happen on the heels of the next. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will happen at once, and everywhere you look, there'll be blessing, and there'll be more blessing. In other words, this is what Amos is saying. He's saying that the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman. So the one who's plowing the ground, sorry, the one who's, who's bringing in the harvest, while he's bringing in the harvest, the person who's coming along to plow behind him and sow the seed for the next one, he'll be on his heels. Because the harvest will be so big. This is good. This is about acceleration. Church, I want to provoke you. I want to spur you to see things bigger. Sarah, Sarah um, Brannock had a word for me during worship just about lifting up your gaze. Leaders, lift up your gaze. People of God, lift up your gaze and see things from a heavenly perspective. I want to provoke you. Somebody like, oh, what's that going to do with me? It's got everything to do with you because that's why we're here on planet Earth, to do something great for God. And therefore, get off everything that hinders. Get rid of the sin that so easily entangles. I'm nearly done. I'm going to pray in a minute for, pe- for th- things that you're just hiding, things that you just think are just hindering you, just to get rid of them so that you can run and you can row fast. Why? Because things are accelerating. You know, Peter says this, we can hasten the day of his return. We can hurry it along. We can actually bring Jesus back. He's just waiting for us to do something. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, running. Okay. Um, 
acceleration. And we're there. We, we arrived. Look, I made it. Um, why? It's for you. It's for you. It's so easy and when we're talking about messages like this to think we're talking about somebody else. We're talking about the person next to you. Oh, it would be really good for somebody else to hear this. But I believe God is talking to you. He's talking to me today. He's talking to me. It's easy just to think, how are we going to apply this to someone else? But what about you? What about you? What are you doing in God's great relay race? Consider him who endures such opposition. Watch this. So that you don't grow weary and lose heart. So that you don't. Not the person next to you. So that you don't grow weary and lose heart. God is talking to you. All creation is waiting for you to be revealed. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is now at work in you. That's a lot of power. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is now at work in you. That's a lot of power. You know, I, I just uh, I was on the phone to uh, the staff in, in uh, the church in the UK this week, and I said, how's John, who got out of a wheelchair? He said, damn, he don't even have a wheelchair anymore. He's just walking around, happy. Woo, I just, I can walk. That's awesome. By the way, we're going to have some miracle conferences in 2019. Uh, we're going to just uh, see this. We're just going to see God move and just invite people to come and get healed. Invite people to come and stand in the glory of God. There's nothing like the glory of God. There's nothing like the weight of his presence that's just so awesome. But you, you, oh, you, you know, in Peter, it says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through, him, through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. You know, the theme for next year is in Daniel eleven thirty two. Those who know that God will be strong and great, do great exploits. And we'll talk about this um, in a few weeks. But we've got to know him, not just know about him. We've got to know him. We've got to know him. He's a Greek word, genosko, which actually means to become a part of. You know, when we honor the presence, when we honor him, and I, 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 we're going to go through a teachings and really equip us as a whole family. We're going to do this together as a church. But, but, but learn the disciplines of fasting again. We're going to do this as a church. I'm going to do it. I can do it. I can do it with a little bit of fasting. Hey, easy. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, Jonathan and Ruth, she, she's now, um, she's offered to be my health coach. I don't know why she offered, but uh, I had to do a questionnaire. And one of the questions was, uh, could you explain your relationship with exercise? And I said, we used to be friends, but we no longer talk. <laughs> okay, all right. Acceleration, you. All right. Before I was in, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. The dreams that God has given you, God has given you a dream. And it's unique to everybody else. Oh, I, I just want to end with this. Musicians, if you can come. We've just got a few more minutes. Um, when I read Hebrews chapter 11, <laughs> and I see the list of people that made it into the great hall of faith, I think you're a bunch of scoundrels. <laughs> like, how did Rahab make it? Well, okay, so she's a, she's a prostitute, but she tells a lie and makes it.
walked into the hall of faith. What? And, Ab- and, and Rahab was commended for her faith. What faith? And then I start reading about David. Well, yeah, David, you know, you did some stuff too. Not so good stuff. And so did you, Abraham. And so did you, Moses. And I start reading and I think, wow. And, you know, I think I might have brought this up before, but it says this. It says, when, do you remember when God shows up at the burning bush and has an encounter with Moses? And he says this. He says, Moses, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you remember that? Do you know that was after that God changed Jacob's name? Do you remember Jacob wrestles with God till daybreak and God knocks his hip out so that he walks with a limp and God changes his name from Jacob to Israel? And then after that, God shows up in Moses' life and he says, Hey, Moses, what's up? How you doing? You know, God never forgets our name. And he shows up and he says, Moses, Moses. Moses had been living in Midian for 40 years. He'd run away from Egypt. Why? Because he killed an Egyptian in anger. And here he is hiding. And God shows up and he says, I'm the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why did he call him Jacob? Jacob means twister. Jacob means supplanter. Answer, because God wanted Moses to know that I am the God and I'm the father of fathers, even if they mess up. And even though Jacob messed up, he could have called him Israel, but he wanted to remind him, I am the God that uses people that mess up. And so if I had written the Bible, I wouldn't have said some of the things or commended some of the people that God did. I, I wouldn't. If, 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 I, if I'd written the Bible, I would have just talked about David and how David was mistreated and David was, you know, played the harp and he was a shepherd boy, but then he killed Goliath. I would have missed out the part that he was a peeping Tom. Sorry if your name's Tom. I would have missed out the part that talked about him sitting with Bathsheba. I would have just left that out. If I had written the Bible, I I would have said how Moses led two and a half million people out of slavery. And he did such a good job. Moses was the man. Moses was had an encounter with God for 40 days and came back with the glory and the Ten Commandments. I would have said, Moses, this is amazing. I never would have mentioned the fact that Moses was a murderer. I would have just left that out. If I had written the Bible, I I would have talked about how Samson was so strong and and how God used him to to kill a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass. I would have never mentioned the fact that he was disobedient and his life ended with him walking in circles, demon-possessed and blind. I would have left that out. If I'd written the Bible, I would have said Moses, Noah was awesome. Noah built an ark. Even though no one even knew what rain was. But he built this huge ark and he saved all the animals and he started the world again with eight people. I would have left out the fact that he got drunk. But you know what? I'm glad 
God put all those bits in there because it gives you and me hope. It gives you and me a chance to recognize that even when we mess up, God can still not only use us, but we can go down in history as history makers. We can go down in history as those who ran their race with perseverance. So as we close, I'm going to pray in just a moment. And I want you to consider this great relay race that's been going on for generations. This great relay race that you and I are in, that we've been called to run and run with perseverance. I want you to think about what it is that causes you to slow down, what it is that hinders you, what the sin is that so easily entangles you. Will you stand? And if you can, just close your eyes for a moment. close your eyes. I'm almost done. I've got four minutes left. I don't want to lose this moment. I don't want to lose this precious time. You know, the truth is God knows you better than you know you. The truth is God knows you better than you know yourself. The writer of Hebrews says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. You know, it's actually possible to miss the grace of God. (laughs) Don't miss it. And I'm the kind servant today just to, I'm the kind messenger to provoke you to say, hey, Whatever it is, let's deal with it right now today. First of all, um, if the footmen have worn you out, if you started to get weary, the writer says, don't grow weary. Weariness grows. If circumstances of life which are like footmen are just wearing you out, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. If you've lost your sense of expectation, You've somehow born into an eschatology that is just doom and gloom and everything's going to get worse and we're just waiting for Jesus to please come and save us from this terrible world when actually, he's actually called us to change this world into something beautiful. And number three, maybe you've just looked back. Something's messed with you. Something's caused you to look back. Number four, you've lost your sense of acceleration. Something's slowed you down. And number five, a recognition today that it's you. It's not your spouse. It's not your children. It's not your parents. It's not your boss at work. It's not that relationship or this relationship. It's you. God can change you. And if God can do so much in you this morning, he can use you to touch other people. So, Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for everyone in this room. And as we come to a close of this amazing year, this glorious year, God, I ask that you would cause us to lift up our gaze. You would cause us to, in light of the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, in light of the saints, in light of this great assembly that is cheering us on, I ask that we would run the race with perseverance, the race that's been marked out for us. And we run with expectation, looking forward, not slowing down, and we recognize that it's you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Church, we're going to sing this song.